Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. I'm Antonia Blythe, Senior Awards Editor. My guest this week is Rami Youssef, creator and star of the Hulu series Rami, for which he won a Golden Globe and has been Emmy nominated multiple times. Rami follows the story of Rami Hassan, an Egyptian-American millennial in New Jersey. Rami is trying to be a good Muslim and searching for meaning and direction in his life but somehow he keeps messing things up the majority of the time. The show's third season premiered on Hulu at the end of September. I want to start off by just getting something out of the way that you mentioned that day at the Q&A. You said, let's just get it out there that I am not Rami. Now, I have questions because I think it's a really interesting thing to create a show around a character with your name who isn't actually meant to be you. And in my humble opinion, that's sort of psychotherapy porn, really, why a person might do that. So I am very curious to hear all about that and tell me a bit about TV Rami versus real Rami. Just so we can explain this when people get confused by it? No, it's, it's you know, it's interesting. I, um, I've thought a lot about that, you know, decision. I think that so much of it comes from kind of the standard thing, you know, a stand-up comic gets a show, they use their own name. Uh, and the more, though, that we've made the show, and even while we were making the show the first season, it was so clear that we were doing something that was different from the standard stand-up gets a show, uh, you know, uh, trajectory. And, and so we, uh, you know, we had had the name, but obviously so much of this character, the way I like to look at him is he is, uh, like everyone on the show, dealing with his higher self and his lower self. And a lot of what we see here is, is this lower self version. And so when I think of him in comparison to myself it's it's kind of what would i look like if i didn't have the medium of getting to do comedy uh, the the um the presence of of therapy in my life the uh the the presence of a spiritual practice in my life that i have a better understanding of than this character does and so uh he's definitely kind of um you know if I had taken the other fork at many forks in the road, maybe this is what I would be like. And so I think it, it was it was this choice where you can make a show and make the more heroic version of yourself, or you can make a very kind of naked and uh, confused version of yourself. And so we definitely went with the second one. Well, I think naked and confused is something... The, the the vulnerability is something that people are much more likely to connect to than than anything else um and and that's proven to be the case i think you know if we look at season 3 it's really interesting what is happening with rami in season 3 he's he's kind of royally messed up his life at this point um you know he's he's gotten married at the end of last season only to confess to his new bride on the morning after the wedding that he slept with his cousin the night before the wedding and then throws in a little suggestion of polygamy just to uh, top that off 
and she she no great surprise is not pleased um so we see him season three impotent and down and depressed but also he's sort of put aside this drive to be a good muslim in a way in some ways it's sort of taken a back seat because he's just feeling like a failure i think and he's gone off in search of money um and i think it's a really interesting thing to explore because i think as much as your show isn't trying to be a universal story in every aspect I think people relate to that sort of search for meaning and then turning to work or money. Um, but tell me a little bit about what was in your head for Rami going into season three and, and what you thought you wanted people to absorb about him. I mean, I think you just said it really in in, in, in a really beautiful way because I think that that is what's happening. It's it's This show has been built on seeking and this season is the first time we see this character put the act of seeking aside and and he feels not only confused by it but i think he feels unworthy of it i think he doesn't feel like he deserves spiritual connection and i think that's because of his shame and so much of what I think gets lost in spiritual conversations is the difference between guilt and shame. You know, guilt can be a feeling like hunger. Hunger tells you you should eat. Guilt tells you maybe there's a better version of yourself that could show up here. Maybe there's a more loving part of you that could show up here. Guilt can help regulate that. Shame is yeah it's so much more difficult and 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 isn't regulating if anything it um it puts you in a place where you feel essentially unworthy of not just forgiveness or a spiritual path but really i think the the underlying thing is you feel unworthy of love and i think that uh that is where we have his character and he's pretty numb and 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 his actions have put him there and and he continues to keep himself there uh and i think we wanted to show this part of the journey because i think it's a part that people get to in their lives very organically i I haven't felt it to the degree that this character does but obviously i think the degree we take it to um is symbolic, you know, I think all television mm. is symbolic. Um, and, and I think that, you know, we definitely crank up the dials. And, and part of that is just because it's funny and, 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 and in a dark way. I think there's scenes that some people cry at that, you know, I definitely laugh at. And I know a lot of people <laughs> laugh at, but, you know, there's, there's different ways to take almost anything. But, um, yeah. I do, since you just mentioned that, um, tell, me, tell me a scene that that you particularly laugh at that is probably quite twisted and, and dark? Well, you know, I think there's stuff that we we have where there's a multitude of things happening at the same time. I think there are these scenes that um, this character digs himself into, one of them being when he's telling Zainab what happened on the night of their wedding. And then there's this, it's just, it could I know there are people who are like, stop talking. This is horrifying. What are you doing? And then, you know, there's also just a part of it that is just very funny, you know, while it's happening. You know, there's a scene that, um, you know, we have in our, uh, in, our, in our second episode of the third season where, you know, he's in this panic and then without giving away, you know, too much, Rami suddenly finds himself in the back of a military vehicle and it's actually horrifying, but the speed in which he gets there and why he gets there is objectively hilarious. You know what I mean? And, and, and so it's this weird thing where, and, and it's been funny watching the show with audiences because uh, people are laughing and people are also going, oh my God, what's happening? And I think that that's something that uh, we, we, we definitely 
look at certain nerves that are raw and we work on uh, trying to depict them honestly, but also find anything about them that could have uh, uh, some sort of, again, obviously dark, but um, some sort of laugh. And it's not usually a laugh at the expense of who we're talking about. It's almost always a laugh at the expense of Rami. And I think that's kind of the design of this character because so much of how I view him is he gives me the ability in this show to talk about very heated things and talk about very sensitive subjects without making them the butt of the joke. He's always the butt of the joke. And I think that that's what I love about sharing my name with him because you know I have skin in the game. You know, I am essentially doing some version of uh, some sort of character assassination here. But it's really to show you, you know, I never want to be making fun of anyone or any group or any issue or any feeling. Um, I'm going to throw this guy in the middle of it, but I want to, I'm going to throw myself in the middle of it, but I, I want to be able to talk about anything within these pockets that could be painful with with a level of absurdity and so that's that's where we get to a place where we say okay we're gonna go and there's this tension in jerusalem and we hear about palestinians and israelis and somehow the worst actor in this whole thing is gonna be this rami character he somehow managed to bother and annoy everybody involved uh how <laughs> you know and there's something funny about the design of that to me that I really enjoy. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I could talk about that particular episode uh, forever. It's it's incredible, but I don't want to spoil it for those people that haven't seen it. So I, I'm going to resist. But I will say, you know, based on what you just said is really interesting. I think that for me, comedy is such a powerful tool to talk, like you say, to talk about the difficult things. and. I hope you take this the right way, but I think your your kind of approach where it's it's a knife edge between comedy and tragedy all the time. That reminds me it of um Phoebe Waller Bridge's flea bag kind of humour. That's so you never have something funny on its own. Never. It's always something much more much more layered and much more um uh, contrasting in the same scene and I think that's that's my favorite kind of comedy where it's never trying to just be one thing um and in that way you can talk about sadness without really going you know oh we're gonna cry now you're not allowed to cry there's no time move on <laughs> you know what I mean totally I mean I think it's like it's because life is like that you know I remember we were my whole family was at the hospital my grandmother was in the process of, of leaving us, you know, she was passing away and it's incredibly tense and sad. And then, you know, there's this fight going on about, I made an order and I forgot to order the side of Buffalo sauce, you know, and my uncle looks like he's going to kill me over some Buffalo sauce. And, and it's just, it's just funny. I mean, it's, there's, it's, it's, <laughs> like everything suddenly becomes about the buffalo sauce and 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 I get it on a level because I love buffalo sauce and so I'm oh, yeah. frustrated too but I'm also <laughs> trying to tell him you know I did order it you know and my grandmother's dying you know and and so it, that is life life is always it's just always something like there's something really messed up going on and somebody's farting you know, that that's always mm -hmm. happening. And I think that um, to, 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 to get to, you know, put that on screen uh, is, is really, is really cool. Totally. I think if you've got, if you've got that mindset, uh, that writerly mindset, then everything in life can be farcical. If you just see it as that way, everything's a farce in, in some way or another. Um, Anyway, I also wanted to touch a little bit on your guest stars this season because it's quite exciting, new additional people on the cast. 
Um, so talk to me a little bit about uh, casting Bella Hadid. I think you're friends with her brother Anwar, maybe? Did I read that correctly? Yeah, 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 we have a lot of mutual friends, yeah. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about casting her. I love her her role as this like very strange office obsessed girlfriend of Steve. Um and how how Rami manages to alienate them as well. <laughs> it's just classic. Tell me tell me a little bit about casting her in that role. Yeah, it wasn't written for her. Um we just kind of had this organic conversation about how she was interested in in acting and in in getting to know her and talk to her it was so clear that she was someone who just had a really great understanding of self and emotional access and all the things that i think make somebody interesting to watch on screen and so uh i think part of the confidence in being able to put her into our system uh is knowing that we kind of know what to do with our actors you know and and we've we've got we've we've gotten a lot of experience um bringing people into our ensemble uh while never taking away from how strong our core family is and making it feel like they belong with our core family because i think whether it be mahershala in season 2 or um sarita chowdhury or bella hadid James Baddale or any of these really great actors who we collaborate with you never want to feel the actor you know you just want to feel like it's part of this world because i think part of the magic of our show is that it had an entire first season with no one you'd ever seen before and i think that um if you're going to see anyone known on the show you're going to see them in a way that you've never seen them before and i think that that's something that we've been able to um provide to actors who 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 come and 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 play with us and hang with us and 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 that's been really fun to create and so uh meeting her i felt like we could totally do that with her and uh and it was exciting and and honestly the show this season has a lot of first time actors we have writers who had never acted that we figured cool roles for and and it's something again that speaks to how I think how clear what we're doing is and what we like to do uh and and then it it starts to feel like a natural um you know situation. Um you definitely have amazing actors in your cast. I mean you mentioned Mahershala for one um that was amazing last season him as the shake. He was he was just incredible. Um but so much talent across the board on the show. Is there someone that is your dream person that you would love to get on next season? I know you haven't officially been renewed yet, but I think you're going to get renewed. Just throwing it out there. I hope so. I hope I hope you do. <laughs> um you know, uh my my actually like my dream casting uh for the show um uh, I've really been trying, you know, he he has he's acted He has acted. He hasn't done it a bunch, but I'm trying to get him out of acting retirement. Uh I really want uh to write a role for for Yorgos Lanthimos. So I've been I've Oh been my openly, god, yes. Um Well, well you've got an in cuz you're in his film. Yeah, and so that's where it started, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, so, that's so exciting. <laughs> I started courting him, you know, and um <laughs> and i've been working on it you know and so little by little i keep chipping away uh and i have a feeling maybe another 20 30 texts about it i might be able to get him uh, might be able to get him out and so you know if you ever talk to him just let him know that as a fan you'd be into it i think that might help you know? i will lean on him hard um wait but since you brought him up what can you tell us about poor things his film and you're in that with with a uh, christopher abbot who also is in Rami season 3 in an amazing role. Um mm-hmm. and Emma Stone is in the film, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe. Tell us a little bit about it, your role if you can. Um I I don't even know what I can say other than that it's it's something uh that I am 
I can't believe I got to be a part of just it was so special. It was it was really just an unbelievable acting experience. I uh, have, yeah, never gotten the opportunity to do something at, you know, with that. I'm not even going to say that caliber because it almost exists in a realm of its own. I think Yorgos created something really unique. Uh, I've heard that it's awesome. I haven't gotten to see it. He won't show it to me, but other people have seen it. Uh, and they like it. But I think I think maybe I asked him to act in my show too many times. And now, <laughs> no, you know what it is? You know, I asked him, I asked him, you know, so then he was like, you know what, just leave me alone. So, um, you know, I'm trying to give him his, trying to give him his space. I asked him if I'm allowed at the premiere. I'll let you know if I am. But um, it was, it was genuinely one of the most amazing creative experiences uh, I've ever had. And I think from what I hear, it'll it'll be reflective of, of kind of how unique the process was. I think the product is also uh, going to be really reflective of that. And, and so it's, yeah, Emma Stone is a comedic genius. Um, mm. You know, a lot of my work is with her and with, and with Willem Dafoe, who is obviously just one of the best actors of our generation. And so it's, it's, right. it's, no big deal, it's exciting. Then. <laughs> <Very> exciting. <laughs> Very excited for people to see it. Yes, I can't wait to see it. Um, okay, last one of the the warm up questions. Um, just when you thought you were at the end, we haven't even started yet. Um, <laughs> just going to ask. So, okay, season four. Um, if okay, I don't want to jinx, but I I feel as I said, very convinced that we're going to see a season four. Um, you have said in an interview that it would likely be the last in Rami's story. What do you see ahead for him, ideally, in broad terms? Yeah, I think in broad terms, um, yeah, I, I think this would be the last season for, for a very long time. I mean, I think, you know, if we were grateful we would be very grateful if at some point in the future, six, seven years went by, whatever, and, and I had a bunch more to draw from that was new. Um, you know, I've been working on this show actively. I think I first started working with my co-creators, Ryan and Ari, putting together characters, and we were doing all of that December 2016. And so, you know, this December, it'll be, uh, you know, six years or something that we've, I, you know, I've been working on this every week of my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think, I think it would be cool to put it down for a bit and step into different parts of my life and come back just since it's my name. Uh, but yeah. I think in terms of an immediate upcoming season to close this chapter, uh, I, see i see rami's character turning a different corner with how we leave him at the end of season three i think that we the more we made the show and i think especially going into season three looking back at seasons one and two and then thinking about what the next two could be we realized consciously maybe even more so subconsciously we had been tracking an ego death for this character. We kind of start with the hope of who, you know, he thinks he is and slowly peel back that reality. And I think a fourth season could show us who he actually is going to be in in a more, uh, probably in a more real way than we've ever seen. And I think that 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 would be really uh, exciting to tap into. Yeah. It must be so fun to kind of create a person um, that's sort of like you, but not you. I'm just intrigued. I would love that. I think it was. It's a. Uh, it's the ultimate, isn't it? You get to kind of do art imitating life and vice versa if you want. Anyway, I will stop banging on about that and uh, move on to the twenty questions. So, are you ready? Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna try. And uh, not torture you too much, okay? Uh, so, my first question: Where do you think you get your fearlessness from? Um, stand up. I think I think 
nothing has ever been more nerve wracking than doing, uh, you know, just the first when you're trying to build that first 15 minutes. I, I think I think there's a bit of that. I also think it's from my my family and, and, and you know, my father, for sure. I think a lot about him coming over, leaving, you know, leaving his family and coming here and uh, takes a lot to do something like that. And I think, uh, you know, my baby version of that is getting up on stage and telling jokes. You know, it's real, uh, real big sacrifice. I, there's so much, so much in my life where I'm like, what am I afraid of? You know, I mean, God, like, you know, what, what, uh, what our, what our ancestors went through. I mean, I I appreciate your humility, but to me, getting up and doing stand up, I mean, I think to most people, that's the most terrifying thing they could come up with, weirdly, in a lot of people's <laughs> minds, because it's so, it's immediate and personal, um, rather than sort of um, something that you can kind of go, oh, well, that's just my surroundings. It's, uh, it's. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what it is. You know, the, the thing about fearlessness, about fearlessness too, though, is it's not that there's no fear. It's there is. There's a ton of fear because I'm. I'm. I. I feel. I think anyone you see who is presenting themselves publicly is probably an incredibly sensitive person, which is why they are effective at presenting themselves publicly. So there's a lot of you know with that sensitivity. There's a lot of fear. I think it's just feeling that fear and processing it and then choosing to still proceed, you know? Um, so it's, 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 it's kind of more of just a, um, a, a moving past it and not allowing it to be the defining thing. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that's a really insightful thought. Yeah. The majority of people who do any sort of performative work are the people who probably feel the fear most keenly which is why public life can be so damaging for so many people, you know? I yes. Think, I think so many people yeah. get really bruised up in, in public life because they, they're, yeah, they, they are very sensitive. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you remember the moment you realized that you wanted to do this job as in stand up, creating, writing, all of this? Um, I think it's, it's a series of moments, but it was just little by little. I remember my parents really supported me making things. I was always the kid with the camera and learning how to video edit and uh, performing in plays and writing sketches and making music videos, you know, it, it always kind of consistently grew. Um, and I kept being supported in it as a hobby, but the idea was always that it would then become, you know, you'd have to go get a real job. And so I always had this feeling of, okay, real life is going to start soon and I won't be able to do this. And, and then little by little, that idea of real life just slowly fell away because I never really did anything other than this so it was, uh, <laughs> it was just little by little you know what did your parents think you might do when you were younger uh, I think they wanted me to be a doctor but thought I would be a lawyer mm. and you had no interest or you had some interest in that uh, I, I, I think I had some interest in the idea of law, just in the sense that I knew that I cared about, you know, not to sound too, I don't know, but I, I cared about justice. <laughs> I cared about history. I cared about, um, you know, I, I think I was definitely just by the nature of who we were and where we came from, there's something about that existence that was inherently political. And so I was invested in that sense, but I don't think that I ever really daydreamed too hard and what that life was going to be. I think it was just a placeholder for saying that something might be coming. 
Do you remember an early, I mean, you mentioned that your parents were very supportive, but do you remember an early figure in your life, maybe a teacher or somebody that really inspired you to do what you do now? I had an acting teacher, um, Mrs. Lewis, in high school, who um, she passed away shortly after I left high school. So she never got to see anything that that I got to do after that. But she said to me, you know, I, 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 I was talking to her and I said, you know, this is my last school play and then I got to go to college. And, uh, and I'm probably going to just have to take a bunch of these classes. And at some point I'm going to have to figure out if I'm going to go to law school. Uh, and so I said to her, this, I don't know, this might be my last time acting in front of people. I remember this was, you know, end of my senior year. And I said this to her and she just started laughing. I remember we were in the hallway and she was laughing and she was just like, oh, you're not going to stop. And I was like, no, I don't think I don't know how I would do this. And she just goes, nah, you're not going to stop. You've got the bug. I've seen the bug. You've got the bug. You're not just the sooner you accept that, the better. And and I remember that moment because it, it, um, it, it definitely encouraged me to kind of keep sneaking off on the stage and then doing all of that because uh, I, I believed her when she said it. I, 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 I was trying to believe what I was telling her, but I believed what she said more than, than what I had said. It sounds like you really respected her. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember, did you have posters on your bedroom wall when you were a kid? Yeah, I um, mainly basketball. Oh, were you into basketball? You were a player. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was gonna have a uh, a Michael Jordan type growth spurt. I remember there was a story of like Jordan <laughs> not making his high school team, but between you know sophomore and junior year, he grew like this crazy growth. I, I kept thinking that was gonna happen, and so I was I was not that tall, but I kept kind of daydreaming that oh no no, but. This crazy thing was going to happen to me in high school. It never did. I did not know that Michael Jordan did that. Um, that's super interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I knew someone once who grew six inches in their 20s. Isn't that weird? I Man, I just left my 20s. I would have clung on to that, too. I would have been like, ah, oh, <laughs> someone has done it in their 20s if I knew that story. That's how much I love basketball. Oh, well, so you must watch it still a lot. It is my favorite thing about getting to do this, like this career and make television and act and whatever, is that I get basketball tickets. So it's like, oh man, you know, you love acting and connecting with people and stand up. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all great. What's great is I get basketball. Basketball. Tickets. That's how much I love basketball. <laughs> I love basketball so much that I've built a life upon just getting the ability to watch basketball up close to get access to that. Is, 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 that's, that's why I'm here. Um, you know, back in the day when I was an event reporter, I snuck onto courtside at the Lakers game and sat on the floor in front of David Beckham and nobody said anything. I watched the whole game. I was opposite Jack Nicholson. And it turns out if you act like you belong and you have like the right to be there, no one says anything. <laughs> how, how, I mean, was that not the best, was that not the best experience of your life? It was crazy. It was so crazy. I mean, I, I still am it like, what was I doing? It is cooler than like a, a, a play. Like I would rather watch courtside Lakers than like an, an original Tennessee Williams production. Like I don't I love care. that. Like, I literally <laughs> would way rather just watch. You know what? Do you ever um, listen to Gotham Chopra's podcast and he's Deepak's son? Um, and he he made the documentary about Kobe um, and he and his dad, I interviewed them together talking about spiritual peak experience and the crossover between spirituality and sport. And it's so interesting. 
because actually sport is is kind of a spiritual pursuit when you listen to them talking about it so i love that wow. kind of um yeah, of that course. connection yeah yeah it's it's you're, you're you're harnessing everything in your body you know and 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 talk about overcoming fear in order to to compete physically and emotionally it's it's amazing and being in a flow state was something they talked about like um you know that the your ego has gone somewhere basically you're just being it's kind of mm. great i'm jealous of those athletes for that so jealous um <laughs> anyway um what was the first movie you ever saw in a theater oh wow i think hmm i i don't know the answer but i remember very vividly going and watching Mulan when I was a kid. Mm. I don't know what year that was, but I, I remember, I feel like it was like, it must have been nine, like like the original Mulan, obviously. But I'm trying to think like what. Like 1990 or something? Years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Mulan, was, Mulan was 98, so I was, oh. I was seven. Mm. That feels right. Mm. That feels like something you would remember. You know, I, I remember seeing that movie and uh, yeah, I just loved the music and the, and the animation and it was, it was unbelievable. Mm. What is the weirdest job you've ever had? I used to, um, in high school, I worked at a pharmacy, but it was a kind of mom and pop pharmacy. So I did everything. I counted pills i um ran the counter i did the lottery tickets i stocked the shelves i also delivered medicine to the old people in the neighborhood and so i there was this old delivery car and so it was once i got my driver's license i, I used to drive that around and i uh yeah i would just go to these people's houses and drop them off their medication but then Sometimes I would be the only person that they'd seen all day. So I would oh. help them, you know, oh, hey, you know, there's there's this box you got to help me move or, hey, can you switch this light bulb or whatever. I, that, that was, so it would be, maybe I'd have three or four deliveries and somehow I would be out for hours because you would just see these people in the town and, 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 and they kind of would wow. see the... the, the the um the pharmacy had a really distinct delivery vehicle it was this like baby blue sit like a, a hatchback wagon and um so yeah <laughs> that was that was a fun job that's like a, you were community you were a kid but you were a pharmacist and a community health visitor and doing lottery <laughs> tickets <laughs> driving a van i mean it's yeah, just I was, I yeah been, you know 17, 18, I think I did that job, 17, 18, 19, something like that. Yeah, it was for a couple of years. And then I, um, and then I, yeah, then I think I started working at the Apple store. It's <laughs> quite a change, yeah. <laughs> Big change. <laughs> okay, so you're packing your nuclear bunker. What would you take in there to watch? Mm, that's really good. I think... How many things can I take? What's, is there a cap? On as many as say? you want. You can say as many as you like. I'll try and limit it, though. I mean, I think I would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it could be a lot, yeah. Oh, man. It could be a lot. I mean, I think I would bring... There's a lot... Well, okay, my favorite movie would actually be very appropriate for a nuclear bunker. I, I really... I love Children of Men. That that might be... My oh, my God. I love ever. that movie. Uh, Wait, is that is that Quaron? Is that Quaron? Quaron, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's Clive Owen. Clive Owen is um so good. Julianne Moore, uh, Chiwetel. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. Um, mm. And so I would bring that. I love watching that, and I'd be in a nuclear situation, which probably kind of matches a bit of what's happening there. And then I think right, they'd just be right. stuff for nostalgia. I'd bring the hair. I bring the Harry Potter films. Love that. I bring nice. the Harry Potter books too. That's just very childhood. Uh, I'd probably bring the Last Dance, just because it's such good basketball propaganda. 
uh, yeah. about Michael Jordan. I love that. Uh, very, very big uh, uh, propaganda piece. I bring The Graduate and Superbad, mm. which are probably like two favorite comedy movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, those those two are. Uh, Wait, The Graduate's one of your favorite comedy movies? Yeah, that's how I view comedy. Yeah, yeah, that is that is how you view comedy. <laughs> graduate isn't it? and Superbad. <laughs> <laughs> it is. The graduate and Superbad are kind of the same movie. Yes, side by side, it's perfect. <laughs> my, they're my my intersection of like you know uh, what I find to be very funny. Um, I love that. Yeah, so, that, that, so that's, good. That's, yeah, those are just some starters, but I think, you know, I'd, I'd definitely get a few more things in there. My favorite bit in The the Graduate is not, um, you know, the plastics conversation or the you're trying to seduce me conversation. It's it's the fa- their faces on the bus at the end, you know, yes. when the bus pulls yes. away and they're like, oh, shit. That's so, good. <laughs> so, good. so funny. That moment is so just good. perfect. Okay, so what is your dream dinner companion, living or dead? Or rather, who is, not what? Whoa. Dream dinner companion. I mean, it's like, I guess there's two different, there's, there's two different, like, yeah, dinner is specific. Dinner is ruling out some people. Because I think I want to, like, there's a part of me that's like, man, it'd be great to meet any of the spiritual you know, way back, like imagine sitting down with the prophet Muhammad or with Jesus or with Moses, right. you know, like heavy, just like big, big presence. But I, those, they, you know, that would be good dinner conversation, but I would rather go on a walk with them. I think mm-hmm. food is probably a, a, a totally different category because I kind of want to sit down with somebody who'd be down to, to throw down and like, and really eat. I mean, yeah, it'd be great to, I, 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 you know, it's recent, but Bourdain is just so good at eating. I, I, I'm going to go in the oh, dead category yes. and say I would have loved to sit down and eat with him just because I've also been rewatching that a lot lately because I, I, it's, it's just been on. Uh, I've been moving and, 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 and I kind of popped it on. And, and uh, yeah, that would have been fun. That would have been a fun meal. Can I recommend something to you? Um, if you get the audio book of his first book, Kitchen Confidential, it's read by him. Mm. So you can kind of just have his voice reading his very first book. And it's so oh, cool. brilliant just to revisit that. It's such gold oh, so in his cool. voice. Yeah. Um, okay. So what is a time you were starstruck? It's interesting. Like I, I, I probably don't feel it with actors so much. I think like the, this is such a, Okay, so this, you know, I'm, um, I just got married and, and, and I recently oh, congratulations. met, thank you. Yeah, I like, I like recently met, um, you know, my, my wife's parents and I had been, I had seen photos of them for, for years, but I had never mm-hmm. met them. And then when we met, I, I literally had this feeling where I was like, oh, this must be what it's like to be starstruck because I, I'm really nervous and I, I can't remember being this nervous. Like I, I love Tarantino, one of my favorite directors. When I met Tarantino, I was like, yo, what up, dude? Like I didn't care <laughs> on this level that I cared just meeting, you know? So I, I it was that, that feeling of feeling starstruck was, was so, I remember walking away and going, oh, that might be what it's like when people meet celebrities. Because I was like, you're, it's you from the pictures and the stories. And now you're here, you know. <laughs> That's um, so. literally what it is. <laughs> yeah, was... the pictures and the stories, and <laughs> now you're that. in the room. <laughs> that is brilliant and so charming that you felt like that about your wife's family. <laughs> That's so nice. I really. Um, <laughs> what is your proudest working achievement so far? Oh my gosh, this is such a, a great question. Um, you know, I think the thing that I've been proudest of and had the most fun doing, and it's kind of like, I hope I can continue to be actively proud of it. But I I remember 
I think it's um. Man, I'm trying to think whose quote it is. I don't want to bungle it. I don't remember whose quote it is, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attribute it. I have like two in my head, but there's this there's this um quote about kind of like your taste and your work catching up to each other. And I just the thing that I've been most proud of, especially even in the context of this conversation talking about the third season, um, you know, just over the years getting to feel like every time we swing back into it, it's feeling uh, more actualized and, and to feel, you know, that feeling of, of something growing. I feel it in stand up a lot. I, I used to just feel it watching a set grow from, you know, 10 minutes to an hour. That's the thing I, I really enjoy is just getting to do the work and, and having it feel uh, closer and closer to what the daydreaming feels like, I think is, is really exciting. Mm. What about the most meaningful feedback? you've had about your work i think you know there's um a buddy of mine who i who i grew up with who uh is you know to this day one of my best friends and 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 he is the part of our relationship is he's just so hard on me and so honest and so clear and just he's that guy that's just like you walk in the room, bad shirt, you know, right away. <laughs> you know, you got fat right away. Like he'll just, and he's, and he's also really fit. So he'll just look at you and he, he knows it too. He'll look at you and he'll be like, you put on seven pounds, but, but it's not, oh, even God. To, 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 but it's not even to shame. It's just more, he's so, he's that way with himself. And that's just how he is. And he's so, um, you know, uh, He's just one of those people. And I think that when I get feedback from him, you know, he, he is really, he's also like a big TV movie buff and, and there are certain episodes. And, and I think with this season too, he gave me some great feedback and not even getting specifically into like exactly what he said, but it probably the most meaningful stuff would come from him or from people close to me because uh, in a way the show is almost not for them because they do know the real me and so and it's also hard watching things that you know people you know made and you don't know if you're watching it you know through the lens of knowing them or through the lens of it actually being sure. you know something that is uh uh you know a piece of, of work that goes out but he's, he's just so uh good about separating all those feelings and then saying stuff so yeah it's, it tends to just be feedback from people closest to me that, that that's what i really really appreciate mm. More than anything, mm. because I think a lot of the other stuff can can fall into the scope of, um, you know, I don't it, it, too much weight on it's it's a really tricky thing, and I felt it since I started doing stand up. It's like you're doing stand up in order to get the laugh, of course, but also the things that get laughs might not exactly be what you want to be saying or doing, and so you kind of do this dance of you kind of trust the audience, but you don't put everything into the audience. You, you have to do this dance of, of trying to find your own way of feeling like you have your own dignity and you're saying what you want to say and getting the laugh and doing that thing. And it can take a while to figure out that recipe, but, but it, it, for me, always feels like, yeah, feedback or, or praise or whatever from the outside. It's just, it's always with such a grain of salt for me. So I think it's when it, when it really comes from, yeah, just, some of the dudes who know you well that don't need to like it or don't need to whatever when they're into it, I'm always feeling, oh, wow, this is cool. Yeah, no, I get that. I know we touched on um, being a lawyer a bit earlier, but what what do you think you would be doing if this hadn't worked out? Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think part of why this has worked out is because I could never fully imagine doing anything else and being even any good at it. I, I think that I, 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 I've always thought that, that maybe I would be involved in literature in some way, which is adjacent, but I don't know what it would be. Um, Cause I did always really, you know, I've always loved to write and read and, and uh, 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure though. I'm not sure what I would do that wasn't adjacent to this world. I've, I've had a very hard time. Like I've even thought about if I was born a thousand years ago, you know, I don't, I would not be a warrior. Like I would just be the jester or I would be like the guy <laughs> that they had taste test food for the king to make sure it wasn't poisoned or something. Like, I don't think I would, I can't, I just can't imagine <laughs> exactly what else. I mean, that's a fairly fatalistic. Um... <laughs> okay, last one. I mean, I just mean uh, the the taste test thing. That's uh, yeah, it's worrying. Um, last hey, one. Job. Everyone's got to have a job. <laughs> Not for long, though. Possibly, that guy made money. if you were doing that. Yeah, did he? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if the regime was honest, you know, maybe no one would be trying to. That's that's fair. Um, okay, last question, Rami. Um, who is your current hero? Oh, man, your current hero. Um, heroes, I, I, I would, I think that I've even had a hard time understanding how to talk fully about what the women in Iran are doing right now. I think, I think mm. that if I were to think of heroes in the way that they are putting everything on the line and in a country right now where they can't even have access to expressing themselves to the rest of the world, you know, there's probably massive injustices happening where they can't even speak about them because they don't have access to social media and the internet's being cut off and um, they are really putting everything on the line for other women. And so I, I, uh, I've been thinking about them a lot lately and feeling that helplessness of, you know, what, what could be done, but the, uh, yeah, they, they really, really come to mind. Uh, yeah. I hope it doesn't sound like one of those time person of the year is you, you know, it's not that <laughs> it's just like, it's very much, you know, like genuine heroic, you know, to the yeah. to the the degree of that word is really mm. cool, and especially when we're in an industry where we use words like hero or legend or whatever really liberally. You know, someone mm. will write a script and become a hero, and 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 you know, kind of. But but this is genuine heroic stuff, and and uh, and so I think that. Um, you know, mm. yeah, paying a lot of attention to them. Yeah, very well said. Um, listen, I just want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You've really been patient with all my endless questions and bugging you. So I appreciate <laughs> it so much. And uh, roll on season four as well. I'm waiting for the news we're going to hear. And I can't wait to see whether your ghost is on it. <laughs> I feel like he's gonna cave. I, I, we can only pray. I think I, I get the feeling he will. We'll Just keep texting him. him. Just text him. Do it now. I'm working on him. <laughs> I will right when we get off. Thank you again, Rama Youssef, for being on the show. Check out the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and read our awards line magazine in print and at Deadline.com.